Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and we're helping you turn your cities upside down by giving you scriptural motivation and strategies, my friends. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for being on this adventure with us. We are well into the 100s, and uh, the future is bright, my friends. Hallelujah. Let's go for 200, at least, right? Let's get up there to that 200-episode mark. Let's see what the Lord has for us after that. It's going to be good. Hey, listen, I know you're listening to us, uh, but you can watch us too. You can check us out on our Facebook or YouTube channels. But um, in light of some things that we felt were needed because of the request, not everybody has the access to us like you have. You're probably listening to us on some podcast platform. Several people have said, hey, do you have CDs? Some uh, in our uh world today don't even know what a cd is <laughs> ah yeah what is a cd well uh it's a compact disc and so we have produced all or are producing and have produced all the previous episodes and then of course any current episode is available on cd so if you're watching this i am showing one right now this one was episode 113 the covenant of flourishing and so we've produced these so that we can get it to people that really don't you know, aren't into all the uh, podcast platforms or whatever. Maybe they don't have a cell phone that does that. I don't know their, their reasons, but they prefer a CD. So we said, hey, we'll mail it to you at no charge. It would be our honor to do so. So if you know somebody that uh, you're thinking of a particular episode that would encourage or bless them, we would love to just get the word to them. So re- reach out to us. Several ways you can do that. Send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Or call us 870-741-9099. Let us know who that special person is. We'd be honored to mail it to them just in time for Christmas, right? Hallelujah. All right, let's jump into the episode today. I want to pick up on a thought uh, that we had recently and about enduring faith. You know, the Bible admonishes us to hold fast. uh, Do not cast away your confidence. Endure. Be patient. Don't, uh, you know, look at the wind or the waves. Don't be tossed around by every wind that's trying to blow you off course. I mean, there's a lot of admonition in the scriptures about clinging to the word. Now, which word? Generally, the Bible, yes, but also that word that you have from the Lord. Yes, cling to your salvation. Uh, those who endure to the end will be saved, for example. Yes, 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 yes. But I want to dial in just a little bit more here. And the thing that God has uh, ministered to, to you or revealed to you, maybe it's a vision, it's a mandate, an assignment. Maybe it's the reason why um, you're in the nations. Maybe that's why you're on the mission field. Maybe that's why you started that business. Maybe that's why you're pastoring a church or that's why you got married or whatever the word of the Lord was. Listen, hard, difficult things will try and come against it to throw you off course or to uh, tempt you to cast away your confidence in what God told you. Maybe you're believing for healing. Maybe God has revealed something to you, a promise. And I'm telling you, it seems like all hell comes against uh, your uh, steadfast belief and confidence in what he said. I mean, it's just, you know, it just seems like that's par for the course for us. You believe God, the devil's going to try to shake it from you. 
you know, you receive a word of the Lord, the devil's going to try and construct offenses, Mark 4, to trip you up. It, it, it just seems that's what happens. And so uh, what does the Bible say, though? Endure, endure until the end. Hold fast, believe, don't cast away. Be, be patient, buckle down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Cling, hold fast, hold tight. I mean, there's several, I mean, I, I don't know, I didn't count. I mean, a dozen, two dozen admonitions in the Bible to don't give up, friend. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Galatians about enduring. Don't faint. Uh, uh, let's see, what is it? Galatians here. Um, let me just turn there. I didn't turn there ahead of time, but let's look at this. If you got your Bible, your phone, your digital something or other, Galatians, what is that? Galatians 6. Uh, let's see here. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we what? One translation says faint not. This one says do not lose heart. Listen, that which God said will come to pass. Oh, Father, we thank you for it. What makes believing difficult? Well, very simply, unbelief makes believing difficult. Unbelief is functionally disbelief. That's how I would say it. What is disbelief? Disbelief. Well, disbelief is specifically a strategy that is targeted to refute and to be positionally against whatever the word of the Lord is. Um, this is kind of the anti-opposition uh, that we face. Any Antichrist. What is antichrist? Well, it is a refute or positionally antagonistic or oppositional to Christ. So out of that framework, the Antichrist spirit would be anything that is opposed to anything Christ, anything God, anything heavenly, anything that's the word. So you have arguments, 2 Corinthians 10, we're told to cast down arguments. Well, why are these arguments there? Because you, my friend, have the word of the Lord. You know, really, if we think about it, um, and if we would see it like this, that if you have the word of the Lord, then you are going to face an argument or a strategy, some sort of unbelief or disbelief that is targeted at that belief. If we could catch it and understand it, see it like that, that, hey, I have the word of the Lord. This is, this is why this, the presence of this argument is here. That argument, that counter argument, that strategy of unbelief, that offense to trip me up, rob that word, wouldn't be there if I didn't have the word. And in that sense, the enemy is testifying to you that you are in possession of something significant. Now, if we could catch that moment, now I know in the middle of the moment, the war that wages against our mind is difficult. I'm not making light of that in any way, but I'm saying let's talk about strategies to navigate that where we come out the winner every time. Well, then we're going to have to get... Um, let me just say what I'm thinking right now. We're going to have to get comfortable with that tension that offenses will come to rob the word. So I'm not going to be so moved by the offenses because I already had the strategic advantage. The Bible already re uh, revealed to me how my enemy operates against me. So I'm actually kind of like quasi prepared. The goal would be to, to be more prepared for an offense that is lying in wait for me. Because I carry the word of the Lord concerning a, a situation, a thing, or whatever. And so I'm actually kind of prepared. You know, it's it's not going to be my, I'm not going to obsess over it. Okay, I'm not going to get into anxiety because of it. 
In fact, the knowledge that this trap, so to speak, this argument that's going to try and shake me from my belief, this wind that's going to try and blow against my confident stance is awaiting me, and so I'm prepared for it. So I'm kind of like leaning in because I know that wind is going to try and shake me off course. And so I'm just going to lean in a little, little bit this way so I don't lose my footing as I go forward. So we're becoming more comfortable with the tension, the reality, that something's going to come after that word. In fact, let's just look at that. Go to Mark 4 and let's put eyes on it. Notice what he said here. This is kind of a definitive statement. Now, I think it's unbecoming for novices to make definitive statements, but I, but I think the word itself here, so I'm not conjecturing. I, I, I think the word makes it very clear here of what Jesus said. Um, he said, Mark 4.14, he said, The sower sows the word. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Okay, so there's different um, conditions of the heart. Okay, these may represent individual people, but ultimately here these are conditions of, of, of my heart and your heart. And he said, these are the ones sown amongst thorny ground who, when they hear the word, uh, they immediately receive it with gladness. But if they don't let that get rooted, if they don't get rooted, if they don't let the word get rooted, guess what happens? Uh, we'll only endure for a time. Now, I, now I think this is you and I um, at different times, meaning we can receive the word of the Lord concerning something. I, I, I don't know, maybe we should just pick something, maybe like healing, say. And you can receive the word on healing. I mean, you'd be completely convinced, uh, you know, that by his stripes we, we were healed. Uh, you can be convinced of that. But if that doesn't get rooted in you, like if you don't anchor and actually begin to build upon that foundation of that revealed word of Christ, the revelation of Christ there, you may only endure for a time holding to that promise, and you may not reach due season, why? Because offensive came. Remember, it says a tribulation, a persecution. I don't think that's ultimately referring to a tribulation period. I, I, I think he's saying there are tribulations in this time. There are uh, things that shake you, um, things that come against you that, that are trying to crush you, you know, um, especially if you're born again. I mean, you're hated. The underworld, the dark world. The ruler, the God of this age, hates born-again uh, born people. Listen, you, you stand out because you are the light of the world, okay? And that life that's on the inside of you radiates. And you're known, you're known. Uh, demons know who you are, okay? Because if you're born again, they know specifically. You are a spirit they cannot possess. So, I mean, I don't know what we look like in the spirit world, but you are definitely known. You are visible. All right, so it's obvious here who, who these potential ones are that are carriers of divine power, miracles, the, the life which has dominion over matter and time. So listen, you are like a target in that sense. And so if you're carrying the word of the Lord here, but that word doesn't get rooted in you, like you don't establish it as a, this is a done deal. Then this is where you become susceptible then for the word being robbed because you're not confident and that root, that, 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 that word has not put down roots in you. And this right here only endure for a time. 
afterward, tribulation or persecution arises for what? The word's sake, immediately they stumble. Listen, this has been you and I on multiple occasions. Like we are not exempt from this. These are conditions of the heart and how the heart would respond at different times or situations or circumstances, how the heart would respond to the word of the Lord. You know, in Deuteronomy 30, he said, cling to that word. I mean, we're admonished principally in the New Testament that the word became flesh and we're to eat that. You know, Jesus said, take, eat. Like we're, we're to hold to that, eat that word, feast on that word. Let that word abide in us. Let that word take uh, uh, take upon itself roots on the inside of us. If not, we may faint or grow weary. Why? Because wind and the waves, uh, the words of accusation, the bombardment of arguments, you know, the barrage of reasonings and theories, the unbelief that comes against us functionally, the disbelief that sets itself up as an offense or a, a, um, a hindrance, a road bump, a trap, a snare, all this is setting itself up ahead of us. But, you know, uh, we don't have to fall prey to that. That's what I'm saying. Like, people have this fatalistic view in light of this. I'm saying, no, 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 no. Listen, just lean into the fact that these offenses are going to come, but we're getting better and better and better at what? Casting down vain imaginations, arguments, reasons and theories that are all constructing themselves. You know, it's like they have an endless supply of finances. You know what I mean? You ever looked around at things going on in the world and it's like, wow, who's funding this stuff? Like who's got the endless supply of money to fund all this oppositional, you know, things, you know, these ideas. And, you know, it's like the same way with the enemy. It's like, man, they are relentless at just dumping all kinds of resources into trying to trip me up. All right, well, we'll just get it. We'll just get used to that. It's not a big deal. Like it's not a big deal when we realize, yeah, I have the word of the Lord. I'm confident that he spoke to me. He said, do this. Then we just get used to the fact that there's going to be some sort of argument that's going to come along and try and lie against it. What do you and I do? Well, we're getting better at resisting it. Oh, no, no, that's not where the word said. Get out of here, you doubt and unbelief in the name of Jesus. And I just keep walking forward. Now, where it gets difficult, because the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. That's where it gets difficult is because I get it. I understand it. There's that felt reality, very felt. And what I mean by felt is it's very impressionable on our natural man. That emotional that chemical, electrical composition of our physical bodies, it can really get moved by, um, you know, offenses. It can, it can really feel, like you can really feel sometimes that barrage of accusation. I mean, you, you kind of feel it. And, uh, you know, we're getting better and better and better, but I remember uh, I was a lot worse at this than I am now. I'm not where I want to be, but I tell you, I was really moved by these things. Sometimes I didn't sleep well. Sometimes for weeks on end, I was just in that emotional state of, oh man, you know, um, you know, somebody lied about me or, um, you know, somebody doesn't believe in me anymore or somebody, 
you know, did this to me or, you know, here's what I'm picking up in the spirit realm. You know, sometimes people, uh, you can, I mean, it's possible. You, you can kind of lose your mind, if you will. Like you, you can listen to these lies and accusations and I'm telling you, it can drive you nutty. That's what I'm saying. We're getting better at being like, shut up. That's a lie. No, that's not who I am. It could, because that clearly opposes the revealed, the clear, simple, basic revealed word of the Lord. I, he is my beloved and I am his. Listen, what he's not changing that. Any other uh, imagination, impression, emotion, uh, you heard a thing. And I'm not saying you necessarily heard it with these natural flappers, but I'm telling you, you definitely heard it with the ears of your spirit. Accusation, condemnation. So we kind of get used to what? The tension. Like, yeah, that's that's coming because he already said that I'm his beloved. So yes, the accuser of the brethren is going to set up multiple points ahead of me to try and trip me up, get me to believe something opposite, get me to shift my confidence in what he said onto what they say, which is a lie. It's a total lie. Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. There's no truth in him. No truth comes out of him. If by chance he uses a known truth, because sometimes he'll try and twist you up on the word. If he does use a known truth, he has a total deceptive reason behind the scenes. He is never out to help you. Jesus said he came to still kill and destroy the thief, the enemy, still kill, destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. So listen, again, we're saying that this reality that we need to own up to, no, you're not crazy. Now, your emotions will become unstable if you allow the imagination, those thoughts and ideas that are swirling around many times in your head, if you allow them, if you start to agree with them, this is where you get physically, excuse me, and emotionally unstable. And that's exactly what those lies and accusations are meant to do, to shake you up. There is a physical objective in mind in many of these instances. You know that if you don't sleep well, you don't function well. If you're not uh, thinking right, depression, oppression, uh, you know, if you start in this downward spiral of very negative uh, internal dialogue, it affects your eating. It affects what your body's able to do. It affects how you're relating with other people. Listen, the devil knows there is a very real, like we're not talking about, well, this just happens in the ether. No, no, no. There is a very real physical reality response to reaction to there is a snare that is very real if he can get you in the mind, in the soul realm. He knows this, and that's why he bombards you constantly with unbelief, disbelief, doubt, accusation, condemnation. He, I mean, he makes up all kinds of lies about you. I mean, dude, he'll lie from sunup to sundown. He'll take a, in fact, he'll take a truth about you and use that, which this is how it works, but he'll take a truth about you and he'll use that as the framework of constructing lies to just throw at you all day long. You know, you understand like the wiles 
of the devil. Like he has an end game. He has an objective in mind that he commits 100% to. And he is seemingly relentless. He is merciless when it comes to lying about you. And he'll lie to you about you. And he'll lie to you about people that are close to you. And he'll lie to you about people that are a step away from them. And he'll lie to you about people who are two steps away from them. And he'll lie to you about people that you don't even know. Like he'll make up, you know, he, like you'll just be walking down Walmart. I got to go get some heavy whipping cream for my coffee. Come on, somebody. And you'll be walking, you know, down the aisle to wherever the heavy whipping cream is. And somebody will be standing there in the oatmeal aisle. And he'll begin to lie to you about that person and what they're thinking about you. Like you just walk by and he'll say, oh, man, that person, he heard about you. And he thinks you're a weirdo or whatever. And I'm telling you, if, if you are prone, susceptible to entertaining these kinds of swirlies in the mind, I'm telling you, it's going to have a profound physical reality in your life. You're going to hide. You're, you're going to walk with your head down. You're not going to make eye contact with people. You are going to self-condemn yourself. Then once you start self-condemning yourself, then you're going to think God is in on it too. And he's talking about you and He's, you know, talking to the angels behind your back and saying, oh, Justin, he's, you know, he's calling the angels together, you know, like, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm just going to use me as, as, as an example, you know, like Jesus, you know, the commander of heaven's armies, you know, he gets all of my angels, you know, the ones assigned to me and to our ministry. And he calls them together and says, yeah, well, Justin, oh man, he's screwing up big time. Yeah. You better watch him. Yeah. Yeah. Who is he doing that? Is Jesus doing that? The lover of my soul talking behind my back to the angels? You know, is he the originator of gossip about, you know, how terrible of a life I'm living? Where did that come from? That's the devil. So what I'm saying is we're quick. We're quick. I mean, we can, we can smell I mean, we can, uh-uh. You can't see me, but I'm licking my finger. I'm sticking it up in the air. Like I can tell that is a lie blowing in from somewhere. I mean, why? Because it is opposite of what he told me in his word. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Let every demon in hell be a liar. Jesus is the truth. And he said, he, he said, he's already said what he wants me to know. And these are unchanging truths. And you can smell it. You can taste it. You can feel the shift in the air when all of a sudden hell starts to construct a lie against you. I'm saying, friends, let's not fall prey to these things. Now, I used to a lot worse than I do now. I'm not saying that I'm having to be aware. I have to be aware. That's what I'm saying. I have to be aware. Like he tried a strategy against me many years ago. Well, I figured that out with the help of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost said, hey, come on now. That's not me. That's the devil. Okay, okay, so I learned that one, and I'm navigating that. He may try some other tactics, but guess what? We're going to figure those out too. And we know every time, every time, every time, when we become the recipient of a revelation, when we become the recipient of the word of the Lord, when we become the recipient of a mandate, an assignment, a mission, a command, an instruction, a task, when we've been assigned a 
key, a talent, uh, when we've been given a gift, when we have been, uh, you know, I think I use the word assigned, when we've been told to do something. Father has related something to us. Jesus has given something to us. I mean, we're barriers, or, excuse me, we, we are bearing, carrying in ourselves the image. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost has been deposited in us. Power has been given to us. Authority. He said, I call you my witnesses. Okay, so we know that we're prime targets. But whenever we become the recipient of that, then we're just going to have to be aware that the enemy is going to do absolutely everything he possibly can to buffet us. Go to, is it 2 Corinthians? Yeah, I think it is. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. Do not forget this, friends. We're not obsessing over it, but we're being wise about this because too many people are getting blown off course by every wind, every opposition, every uh, uh, thing that comes against and counters the revelation that we had. But I'm saying that's how that works. So we're not going to be so moved by it. We're going to buckle down in, in um, confidence on what God has told us. All right, so here principally, principally, watch this. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Here's Paul, and this is where Paul begins to talk about the thorn in the flesh. It wasn't an eye problem. It wasn't a knee problem. It was not a. Uh, <clears throat> it was not a physical uh, sickness or disease or infirmity that he was referring to. It self defines the Bible. Self defines it. But Paul said, because of the abundance of revelation. Now listen, you and I are walking in revelation. The Word is revealing itself to you. Listen, Holy Spirit, whose prime primary function is to minister to you, to reveal things to you, to take of what is Christ and to reveal it to you. All right, so you, friend, listen, you, you, I am not equating you or myself with, with Paul, but what I'm saying is principally you and I are walking in an abundance of revelation. When the word comes alive, when it leaps up off these pages, it comes alive in your heart, and you have that aha moment. Listen, you, my friend, are walking in an abundance of revelation. And uh, we are actually believing, according to Ephesians chapter 1, we are be- and other places, but we are believing for even more revelation that the Father of glory, come on, would give to us the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him. All right, so there's even more revelation coming our way. So principally, what, what happens, because it's obvious uh, when that happens to you, the enemy can tell. Somehow they can tell. Uh, they can watch your actions because when faith comes, faith cometh by hearing. So when the word is revealed to you, when you have the word come into you and it, it, and it bears fruit of itself, then there's an action, a subsequent action. Faith without works is dead. So there's a subsequent action. Listen, if, if nothing else, because they're not... Um, you know, they're, they're not in your spirit. So they don't, they're not, um, uh, privy to what's going on on the inside of it. But these demon spirits, they can watch your actions and that's what they do. Familiar spirits. They're not in you. They're outside of you. They're watching you. They are reading you, reading your actions, interpreting your actions a certain way. What I'm saying is they know when the truth 
of the word is illuminated in you. They can tell just by watching you, um, they can tell when you are the recipient of something, when you have an instruction, they can watch your actions. They can tell when you laid hands on the sick, they can tell when you're getting into the word, they can tell by your worship, they can tell by your adoration, you're glowing. (laughs) I mean, not to get weird uh, about it, but there's light. You're children of the light. I mean, our father is the father of lights. Uh, like there's something drastically different about you. Now, you and I, we're just looking at our physical bodies. This tent is what Paul called this. But if we could see ourselves in the spirit realm, I'm telling you, you stick out like a sore thumb, as that saying goes. You, it is evident who, who and whose you are. And they're reading you. They're watching you. What I'm saying is they can tell when you're coming into an, an abundance of revelation. We don't have to say we're just like Paul. I'm not equating ourselves with Paul. I'm saying I'm equating myself with revelation, and it's working in me, and I'm getting more of it all the time. So what does the devil do? Well, just like happened to Paul, when the underworld gets, <laughs> I want to say when they get light of it, I don't think they get light of much of anything. I mean, they are beings of darkness. But when they understand that something's happening in you, what do they do? I want you to see this passage as as a principle uh, passage, a, uh, some insight for us, because this is going to happen to you too. Paul started walking in Revelation, and suddenly here comes a thorn. I think one translation called it a splinter. Uh, and I, I, I like that thought, you know. I, I like the idea of a splinter. You, you have had like a little splinter get up under your nail. I mean, it doesn't take much of a splinter uh, to really be uh, agitating. And here's what Paul said. He said, because of the abundance of revelation, lest I be exalted above measure. By Now, listen, people are blaming God here, but who didn't want Paul to get exalted? I mean, the Bible clearly says, humble yourself and he will lift you up or he will exalt you. The Bible says we've been raised together with Christ, seated at the right hand, seated with, fitted, outfitted in Christ, in him we live and move. Who doesn't want us to be exalted? It's not the it's not the Father, people. My goodness, how many people have totally misinterpreted this passage? Now, I'm not saying I understand everything there is to know about it, but I'm saying this is not the Father who has assigned a demon to Paul to keep him humble. No, 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 no. No, this is the God of this world who does not want this new creation being exalted above measure. And so Satan assigned a splinter or a thorn, as Paul called it, a demon spirit. Notice what it says here. Because of the revelation, a thorn was given to me, a messenger of Satan. Okay, a messenger of Satan, a demon spirit was assigned to Paul to buffet me. That's what the New King James says. Number seven, verse seven. Uh, Let's see. The word buffet, uh, they, how do they define it here? Okay, yeah, in the margin, they actually use the word beat. Well, it means to assault with words. It means to treat harshly. It means to beat, to strike, or to rack. I mean, it would be very counterintuitive for Jesus the word, 
made flesh to reveal himself and then assign a demon to you to beat you, harass you, rack you, to treat you harshly uh, right after he revealed himself to you. Okay, so I think we are clear here that this is a strategy of the enemy, that when you begin to walk in revelation knowledge, they can tell because they can see the change in your actions, your attitude. They can see when the joy of the Lord is coming out of you. They can tell when there's a spring in your step. Listen, these demons can tell when there's just a a peace about you, when there's a gratitude. Like when you give thanks, you're obviously not depressed. When you are, oh, hallelujah, ha, 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 ho, 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 Jesus is my lover of my soul, the demons can tell, ah, man, we ain't got that one. Listen, this is not rocket science. So they know when you're walking in the light of the word. And what do they do? Well, somebody's going to get assigned to you. Maybe somebody's. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe many. Maybe it's a horde. A horde of hell gets assigned to you to try and what? Trip you up. Rob that joy. Trip you up. Take that word of the Lord. Cause an offense to come so that you don't go out and minister anymore. Or so that, you know, when you do get up, you're not walking in boldness. You're not walking in authority. I, you know, I mean, I suppose the strategies are endless. As many demons as there are, there are that many potential strategies that could come against you to keep you merely human, friends. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We were in 2 Corinthians 12 looking at principally what happens when you are the recipient of something from the Lord. There is a strategy that will come against you. Go to 1 Corinthians. Uh, I said chapter 3. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Or is it chapter 3? Let me look. It is chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And he says this. He says, I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And he says, um, for where there are envy, strife. Listen, envy and strife. Those are not heavenly strategies. James 3 says that is wisdom that is earthly, sensual, not sexual. It can include that. Sensual means of the flesh. Um, Very sensible. It's the sensibilities, the abilities of the senses of the natural. Okay. He said there's a wisdom, and he said it's demonic. So there is a wisdom of the world. There is a spirit of the age, and there's a wisdom. It's a low wisdom. Okay, but it's a wisdom. Uh, It's how things work in the natural realm. And he says in James 3, strife, envy, self-seeking. These are like portals. They allow demonic manifestation. He said, where these are, every evil work exists. And this is what Paul is saying. He said, look, if you're going to stay over here in this realm, if you're not going to recognize and come up into the fact that you have this spiritual uh, place that you're to occupy. He said, I can't speak to you as such because you're just acting like mere men. All right. This is what I'm saying here. When you begin to move in revelation knowledge, it is obvious you have grabbed onto something that is not just merely human in the sense of mortal. Uh, it is not 
of the natural, of the flesh. It was because you were dead spiritually. But I'm telling you, when you've been awakened, every demon in hell knows. I'm telling you, every demon knows who's born again, who that new creation in Christ Jesus is. They can tell uh, if, if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is within and or upon somebody for some reason. It's obvious. You and I have never seen it. Um, maybe. It's totally visible, but you're not going to see it with these natural eyes. But I'm saying this is what Paul was addressing here when he wrote to the Corinthians. He was cautioning them, listen, you're not just of the flesh. You have a body, but listen, you, like, you are born again, and we want to be able to speak to that. Don't, don't, don't just act merely human. Well, that's what the buffeting over in 2 Corinthians 12, that's what the devil's trying to do. When you begin to walk in spiritual insight, spiritual wisdom, heavenly wisdom, heavenly insight, the knowledge that is from above, remember James, James, James 3, the wisdom that is from above, when you begin to walk in that, the devil's going to try and stop it. How does he do that? That's been uh, the theme of the podcast. He's going to set up a lie. Listen, just right up ahead. You you step out and you say, all right, Jesus, I'm yours. And let's say it's been on your heart to just communicate Jesus to people, you know, um, wherever you're at work or on the street or at Walmart or wherever you shop and, um, you know, on Facebook or whatever. Let's say that you, 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 you decide that you're going to do that. Well, guess what? There's probably some little annoying demon imp that just got assignment and assignment as well. To do what? To get out ahead of you, read your, you know, try and read what you're doing, where you're going, because they don't have all, all knowledge. They got to sit there and look at you. You know, they, they construct their plan by watching you, okay? So he's going to get out ahead of you and do what? He's going to try and set up um, a lie. Uh, he's going to try and slander you. He's going to try and deceive you. There, he's going to try and construct an offense, or maybe maybe we could say it like this, like a pothole. You know, you're on your new path now, and so he's going to try and dig a pothole for you to crash in. That's an offense. He, he he's he's going to try and work with somebody that is um, spiritually immature, given to carnality, given to strife. He's going to try and work with them. Okay, he's going to try and work them against you, and hopefully manipulate them to get out ahead of you and trip you up. And this is just how the devil works. He's dirty. He's a liar. He's a thief. He doesn't play fair, never has, never will. He, he was just trying to trip you up. But we're getting better at recognizing that. And so, you know, when you kind of learn this, you don't get so mad at these people that are ignorantly used. All right? I mean, we can recognize where they need to develop and grow up a little bit, but we're not so thrown off anymore. We're not thrown off our love game. <laughs> oh, boy, I tell you the devil, man, I tell you, that's a, that's a big strategy there to get us off of our love walk, to get us out of the love command. He's trying to get us to break the love command. And a lot of these traps, a lot of these situations, uh, like if he does you know, if he doesn't, like in Paul's situation there in 2 Corinthians 12, 
Paul was enduring that like by himself. I mean, it wasn't that other offenses weren't there. You can read his story, and there was all kinds of different things that happened. These traps that were set up. But, you know, here in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, dude, this is just a straight-up demon harassing his mind. You know, what about keeping our mind stayed on him? You know, that's how you counter that. Like, I, t- I uh, totally get it. Uh, during the day, during during the night, whatever. You, you know, people say, man, I'm just, I'm being harassed. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. What are you, well, you going to do about it, though? If you don't counter that, like you, like, when the devil lies to you, you don't just um, ignore it in this sense. Like, um, let me see how to say this. Be, because I'm, what, what I don't want to um, uh, give the impression of is that we're chasing him around trying to put out all these fires. Because, you know, no, no. But, but there are some instances, let me say it like that, where you don't just let that thought roam around in your head. You're, you're, you have to cast that argument down. Okay. Anytime, and maybe this is where you're just going to have to be a little more honest. Anytime one of those fiery darts, say, has actually hit you, it hits you where it hurt. Okay, fine. Nothing wrong with acknowledging that. But what are you going to do about it? You can't just let that arrow stay pierced in you um, and ignore it. So we, we have to be quick. We have to be honest about saying, wow, okay, that one, that, that one hit and that one hurt. All right, now what do I do? Well, you can't leave it there. You're going to have to answer it. Okay, you're, you're, you're going to have to cast that down. You're going to have to bring it into, uh, let's go there. You're going to have to bring it into captivity. Arrest it, basically. 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. Notice what it says this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. All right, so from time to time, the reality is me, you, some of these accusations um, kind of land, meaning, whoa, okay, yeah, that one, okay, whoa, for some reason, that one affected me. Uh, okay, whatever reason. That one got in. That one hurt. That one stung a little bit. All right, so what do I do? All right, well, I just can't leave it there and let it fester and become an infection that will literally infect my entire being. Not only will it affect that, it will affect what I'm doing. It will begin to fester in my outlook and my 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 outworking, that belief, that that hit, that lie, that accusation, that condemnation will weigh heavy now on what I'm doing or not doing. And it will begin to affect even the people around me. Like if I'm ministering out of that wound of condemnation or I'm ministering out of the wound of accusation or this fear that, you know, I'm such a loser or whatever, that begins to, that, that, that wound, that festering, that infection, that cancer will begin to affect how I lead other people, how I communicate to other people, the counsel that I give other people. So you can't just leave it there. So you got to bring it into captivity. Well, to what? 
Well, that's where you answer it. You're going to have to go back to the word and you, for lack of a better way of explaining this, that arrow is sticking in you. You're going to have to pull that arrow out and you healed the wound with the word. So I have to answer it. Whatever the strategy was, like say it was, um, and this is so generic, but I'm trying to think of a, I, I don't have a more detailed one right at this moment, but you know, like you're worthless, you don't know anything, um, whatever. Well, so let's say that worthless thought. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to pluck that arrow out. I, I can't leave it in there. I can't let that thought stay roaming around in my mind. I, I'm, I'm gonna have to pluck that out. And there may be a wound there. So what do I do? I'm gonna heal. I'm gonna patch. I'm gonna cover to bring healing to that wound with the word that says, no, uh, I am prized. Uh, no, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Who was set before him? Well, I surely was, and you were. Like, the, we, we have to go to the scripture. We're going to answer that. Answering that is how you heal that. And then that, that lie about you, you brought it then into captivity or you subjected it to the word of the Lord. And I'm telling you, the word of the Lord will totally destroy that poison. It'll totally draw it right out of you. But 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 you, you have to get better at recognizing this. And you're not like there's a there there's a place now where you have to say, wow, oh all right, that that one hurt. Okay, let me go back to the word here and let me see how to respond to this situation. But don't give unnecessary time to it. We're not walking in paranoia. We say no to anxiety on all levels. And I'm telling you, that is devilish, friends. If you're, if you're struggling with anxiety, uh, the ultimate answer to that is staying your mind on him, getting your mind set on him, setting our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. There is a very real, felt, physical reality to allowing these anxious, worried, chaotic thoughts to roam around in our mind. It will have a physical effect. You'll just mess up your chemical system. You throw off that electrical system in your physical body. That's totally real. But the answer is not just medicating it. The answer is plucking those thoughts, those ideas, those arguments, those vain imaginations, vain imagination, getting them out and bringing healing with the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're, we're about out of time. We are out of time. Hallelujah. Not about. We are. So thank you so much. I hope that that ministered to you. Listen, friends, endure. How do we endure? Well, we're getting a little more comfortable with just how the enemy works. There's a, a passage in Corinthians. He says, and I'm, I'm going to say it backwards, but the only way he can take advantage of you is if you are ignorant of his devices. We're talking about his devices. We have discussed the wiles, the methods. That, act, that, that word wiles is actually translated method or methodology. There's a method to his madness, friends. And as we become aware of it, we are not susceptible to getting tripped up by it. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I bless you in the name of Jesus. And if you're dealing with anxiety, I'm telling you, there's healing for you, friends. You can come out from that today in the name of Jesus. In fact, I just declare over you right now to be healed of that in Jesus' name. The Bible says, be 
anxious for nothing. You say, how in the world can I do that? Listen, friends, cling to the word. Cling to the word. Cast down and uproot all those vain imaginations and walk in your, your healing and your freedom in the name of Jesus. But we command that physical body right now to be made right. Right now, we bring, we speak order to those chemical functions in your body now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, friends. Well, we love you and we thank the Lord for you. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. Hey, I invite you to pray for us. Would you do that? Take us on as a prayer project and pray for the podcast. Pray for me. Pray for our ministry. We just want to be right in the middle of what God has for us. Come into agreement with us on that and that this would get to the right people that need to hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, if we can help you in any way, reach out to us. Send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv or, or call us, that's right, on the telly, the telephone, 870, uh, I just forgot the number, 870-741-9099. I almost gave out my cell phone, Bob. All right, hallelujah. We'll call us, reach out to us. We're here for you if you need any help. Listen, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed, my friends.